Hello? Is this, do you guys want this louder? A little louder, right? Hello? 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 Well, I know, you can hear me even if I didn't, even if I didn't have the mic. All right, so, before, before I start the sermon, I have just had the craziest couple weeks. Just, just to give you an idea of what this week looked like, I had, in the same weekend, I had all of my assignments due for a week-long class that I have next week. I've had my fifth year anniversary. My best friend was getting married. Thank you. Thank you. It was an accomplishment. Right. My, my best friend was getting married, and I was the best man, and I had to give the best man speech. And then I had guests who came in, and that's where Kitty is right now. She's dropping them off at the airport. And then tonight I have all these assignments that I have to finish. So the reason I tell you that is just because I always wish whenever I, whenever I preach, really what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to take you guys on the same exact journey that I had gone through when I was studying the passages. Because one of the most supernatural experiences I have ever had and with, with consistency is preparing for a sermon. Because what you begin to see is just how the Lord just puts all these tiny little pieces together. So I really want you guys to pay attention today. Because you're going, to start, you're going to see like these things that I've preached on in the past, and it's not like because when I preached on them, I was like, hey, let me prepare this for the future, right? No, it's because literally I'm doing them, and as, as you'll see with my illustration, they just, they just fit perfectly. So I'm going to be preaching uh, today on the plurality of, of, um, of, of, of pastors, and it's a four-part series. Don't worry about it. So it's a, it's a four-part series. And the series is going to look on answering the question, why pastors, with an S at the end, right? And the first week is going to study specifically what does the Bible say about, you know, the leadership in the church or the officials, right? So the, the text, if you'll turn with me to your Bibles, it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is going to be our guiding text. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 12 through 13. Okay. And I'm going to read it. If you guys want to read along with me, that's 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Today we will learn that God's New Testament model for church leadership is a plurality of pastors and that it's designed for our benefit and to give us peace. And what is plurality? The word plural, that just means more than one. You know, like when you put an S at the end of something. Now, you guys remember that sermon that I preached a couple months back about fellowship? You guys remember that, fellowship? Remember the the imagery, imagery there of a bunch of people on a ship together? And then if they decide not to all work together, then they, you know, they're not going to go anywhere. Well, two weeks ago, I was planning my best friend's bachelor party, and I decided we wanted to have, like, the most manliest experience that we could have, right? So I planned this trip last minute, like everything, last minute, to go down to Roanoke River in the middle of nowhere in the East Coast and go kayaking and canoeing. So there were three of us, okay, three, to keep that in mind for the, for the illustration, there were three of us in kayaks and canoes, and we were going out to find somewhere in the middle of a swamp that had a platform for us to go camping. It was a miserable experience, but it was so awesome, right? Because we got lost, we canoed and paddled for 
26 miles. There were bats the size of your hand, spiders the size of you know, your foot, and then they had poisonous snakes the size of your leg. But what was so awesome about it is that the three of us were forced, like we were literally forced to work together. I mean, George, if you've ever seen him, he's like seven feet tall. That's the one that just got married. He had the canoe and he had all of the items, right? Everything piled up on, on high. My other friend, Joel, was keeping us entertained because he was um, a professional actor and he was doing all these monologues. And then I was the cheerleader. I was, you know, making sure they wanted to quit like a thousand times. So I was like, no, we got to do it. We got to get there. So that image right there of the three, of the, of the plurality, working together, right, and all those different pieces coming together, that's what we're going to be studying in terms of what the New Testament has to say about our pastors, right? So we're going to be looking really at three questions, answering three questions. The questions are, does the church have officials? Like, in other words, officer. A, a police officer has, like, official duties. They're able to, you know, ha, ha, do, do stuff that you can't do. You know, you can't, like, you can't go and just pull someone over and start flashing, like, on an app your cell phone light, right? The second question is, well, what are they called? Because we're going to see that the, the New Testament has a couple different words for them. And then the third question is, how many are there? So... This sermon is going to look at what does the New Testament have to say about these leaders. Next week, we're going to look at how does this plurality of elders benefit the pastors themselves. The week after that, we're going to look at how does it benefit the church. And then the final week, we're going to look at how does it benefit the deacons. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. This point is called the respected laborers slash who admonish slash and oversee you. So we read the passage. It was, I'm going to read it again real quick. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So the first thing we notice here is that there is a class of individuals here. I mean, people that are called. There's, what, what, the, what the first thing we notice in the passage is there's, there's like two different groups not separated, but there's like different hierarchies. There's these people who are teaching and are responsible for overseeing the flock. And then there are the people who, um, you know, he's talking about like the brethren, right? Like, like think about what's happening right here. You got someone responsible for teaching. And then you got, you know, these people who, he, who he's overseeing and he's responsible for. And have you guys, how many of you guys been to other type of churches? All right. How many of you guys have been to a Roman Catholic church? All right. How many of you guys have been to, like, an Episcopalian church, right? How many of you have been to a Methodist church, Pentecostal? You notice when you go to all these different churches, they have all these different terms to call what you would think is pastor. Like, you ever hear the words bishop, pastor, elder, right, deacons? You've got all these different terms. Well, this church believes that there are only two offices. There are pastors, elders, overseers or I could say pastors, elders, bishops, and then there are deacons. That's a weird way to talk, right? Pastor, like, you may have heard me say that before, elders, pastors, um, overseers. But what we're going to see in, in these passages is that there's a group of these teachers, and all throughout the New Testament, these teachers are just called different, different names, but it's the same exact office, right? So in this passage here, we see that this office, these teachers, are called these different names because of the function that they have. And we see they have three main functions. They, there are three things that they do, right? So the first thing that they do is they labor. That's where it says here, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, okay? 
they labor. They're laboring. And that labor, how, how are we supposed to respond to that labor in the passage? Right? We're supposed to respect. Asian cultures have a very visible way to display this, right? This is one of the first things I learned when I came here, and that's manopo, right? I actually, when I was researching it, manopo or whatever, I just noticed that it's the word mano, which is hand in Spanish, but I never, but I never thought about it when I learned it because I just thought of the word manopo, and then the po is just, the, is this something that you use to, um, to engender respect, right? So what do you traditionally do? You, you know, you, you ask manopo, right? The younger person asks manopo, and then the elder gives him the hand, and, you know, he touches his forehead. Well, what are you communicating at that very moment? You, the younger, are communicating respect. And why are you communicating respect to the elders? Because the elder, right, is the person who has labored before you. That's what they were doing, right? That's why you're showing them respect. They are older, they're wiser. The reason that you're there is because of their work. So we see that idea of manopo, right, in this passage here. That that person, just like your you know, parental unit or your grandparents labored, and that's why you're showing them respect. This person is deserving of respect because of their labor. So in addition to um, this leader being um, the person that you respect, this leader is also the person who admonishes you. I originally changed the word admonish to teach because I thought it would be easier to understand. Teach. But it's not just teaching. Like, you know, an instructor teaches you. What's the difference between like a teacher when they teach you and your parent when they teaches you? Your parent has, has more of a concern for your safety, right? Especially when you're young, what are the type of things they're teaching you? Don't touch that, that's hot, right? Don't stick that key in the electrical outlet, you're going to get electrocuted. They're, liter- they're literally trying to put something in your mind, and that's what the word here in the Greek for admonish, it means to put in your mind. Because they literally want to deposit these teachings, these, you know, this admonishing into your mind for your own benefit, for your protection, and for your health. Right? And we see that there when they say that they, are lab- they labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and that they admonish you. Admonish, right? That's what that word means, that they're trying to you know, teach you that. They're trying to deposit this in your mind. So in addition to them laboring and them admonishing, they do another thing here, which is they oversee you. Right? They oversee you. So you could think here when you take your kid to the, the North Carolina uh, fair, the fairgrounds. Or like here's an example. I remember when I was young, we went to like one of those water parks, and my sister got lost. Okay? And we were young. Now what is the parent supposed to be doing the whole time? It was actually not her fault, it was my aunt's fault. But what is okay, you parents, what do you do when you take your kid to a place like the fairgrounds or or, you know, a water, a water park. What do you do as a parent? You what? Yeah, you watch. I mean, you literally oversee, right? Because there's tiny little, you know, tiny little tykes running around. You're literally overseeing them, and you're making sure that they don't what? Exactly. So you see here a very paternal image where these people who are, are Paul is saying you have to respect, are laboring, they're admonishing, they're teaching, right? Trying to deposit things in your mind, and they're overseeing, right? So I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to put this maybe in a more visual image. And again, these are one of those really cool things when you're doing sermons, because you don't plan anything like this. So I'm like saying, well, what's going to be my illustration? And, I'm, and we have guests over, so I've been, sli- I've been waking up at like 3.30 every morning, sleeping on a couch, 
no PJs. I mean, it's been crazy. So I'm, I'm like half awake in my daughter's you know, bath, uh, bathroom, showering. I'm like, what's going to be my illustration for this role? And I'm staring right at my illustration. So here's my illustrations. I'd just like to thank Lottie for ins- both inspiring me and, and, for, um, and for allowing me to borrow them. Right? So, so I want you to picture, right? I want you to picture here. Right? I want you to picture our, our leader here, right? Okay, like what, 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 what does the duck have to do with anything? All right? Well, think of the duck. Think of the laboring duck, right? The respected duck. So that first role, that monopo, you know how the mama duck is the parent? The baby ducks respect the parent, right? That's that idea of they're laboring. They're the ones that made them, right? So they respect them for that reason. But second, they're also the teachers. They are the ones teaching all those little ducklings, you know, this is where you go, this is how you eat, this is what you got to do, and they're doing it for their safety because they don't want them to come get eaten by, like, the American bald eagles that I saw at that Renault River place. And third, they literally oversee them, you know, as they're traveling behind them, they're looking over them. So our first